0: thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, leading publishers of books, directories, educational guides and magazines aimed at schools in the UK and beyond. Enjoy the podcast. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live
1: well good morning and welcome to another friday morning break with me dr poppy gibson and i'm going to be totally transparent that today we have got a guest who knows something about something in education that i really do not know much about at all so i'm super excited to welcome along today lucy wheeler um who'll be joining us in a second this just before we have lucy um talk about lucy herself Rye. and everything. Our theme for today is home education. Uh, We're going to be asking Lucy all things about home education and alternative provision. So if you do join us today and you want to type any questions while we're live between 11 and 12, just pop them into the chat and I will ask Lucy for you. If you're listening back at a podcast, unfortunately, uh, there is no chat available, but I'm sure that at the end of today's session, we might ask Lucy if she's happy to share how people can get in touch if they want to know more so without further ado good morning Lucy
2: good morning can you hear me I can hear you. Yes, good start. It's (laughs) the biggest stress, isn't it, coming on the radio? I know. I was pressing all of the buttons and it was taking ages to load. And I thought, oh, my goodness, is it even going to work? So we're over the
1: first hurdle. (laughs) We're (laughs) over the only hurdle. And now the, the only hurdle we're here to talk about is that of our education system. Yes. Oh, how long have we got? (laughs) Sadly, only an hour. But I'm sure this is a conversation we'll uh, we'll continue to have. But um, I'm just so excited! Just to say thank you. I know so many people have been really excited on Twitter about you coming on the show today. Um, So maybe before we dive in, I will be honest, Lucy. I've written a very long list of questions for you (laughs) Uh, because I really I'm surprised how little I know about home education so um before we start with that can you maybe please tell us a bit about yourself why you're so so interested in this topic um a bit about kind of where you're at in your career and where you've been is that okay yeah of course yeah so um I'll start by saying I'm a home-educating
2: parent myself, so I've got very much a personal interest in this as well as a professional interest in it. I've got a teenage daughter who um, I'll I'll explain as we go along, but she she is home-educated part-time and she actually attends um, 14-16 provision part-time, but we can talk about that a bit more later. Um, But, yeah, I've worked in education for about 12, 13 years in various different types of settings, so um, preschools, primary schools, special educational needs schools and things like that kind of in the classroom so I've got kind of hands-on classroom experience for a number of years while my daughter was growing up and actually um, uh, attending mainstream school herself Mm -hmm. and then um, back in 2020 uh, good old pandemic times I was furloughed and um, I then uh, started to do some temporary um, research work with Anglia Ruskin University and uh, I absolutely love research. It's always been a passion of mine throughout my career anyway. And I did my um, my degree and my masters at Anglia Ruskin as oh, well. Wow,
1: amazing, congrats. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Um, great yeah. place to study yes, it
2: is. and to work i work there now as well <laughs> um but yeah i said i did my, my degree and my master's are both in um child development and early years education so i've always had a kind of interest around that particular thing and how children develop and what they kind of need in terms of support for their education to develop as well so i started doing some temporary research projects with uh, anglia ruskin in 2020 and then i came on board as a full-time member of staff last year um, working as a research assistant there and I've also just started my PhD with them as well. Oh, um, congratulations. I Thanks. I do
1: like that. Very exciting.
2: Yeah. And my PhD is looking at the home educator identity. So I'm picking apart all of the different hats that us home educators wear um, and looking at all of the factors that influence the formation of our identity and how we then parent and educate our children in this kind of dual role that we have. Um, So I do that alongside um, other kind of home education um, kind of research studies, smaller Mm -hmm. ones along the way as well. Um, I'm looking at the moment into access to GCSEs for home educated students. Um, And last year I looked at access into higher education and applicants to university from. Interesting. Yeah, just trying to really just. Find out as much as I can, research as much as I can, and try and really support the community in having having that support that they need. Um, you know, we need the research backed evidence behind to be able to put things in place and to change policy to allow Definitely. it to be really viable and really successful. Um, so yeah, I, I've got kind of a professional interest in it in, in that sense, but it's, it comes from a very personal perspective that you know my daughter didn't fit the mainstream. Um, educational system and it didn't work for us and I thought do you know what let's look at our options what else can we do because she deserves to have the best education that is available and home education is a completely legal choice for all parents and carers mm-hmm. in the UK so why not look at that
1: <laughs> gosh well firstly wow <laughs> what an amazing uh kind of background up to this point and thank you for sharing your professional and personal interest in home ed with us um is it okay to call it home ed is that a thing yeah yeah. Okay. I want to use the right the right terminology. Um, can I also please manifest that when you finish your PhD uh, in 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 a few years' time, can we please have you back as Dr. Lucy to tell of us what course, you found? All that hard work. Right.
2: I need to get something out of it. I'm I'm
1: holding you out t- to that Lucy. I'm going to write that in my diary now. So have Dr. Lucy back in the future. <laughs> Thank you. Um. Okay. Great. So that's really interesting. So so the point we're at then, I think we need to talk a bit more then about what this kind of elective home education really is because the only things that I really know, I've had a few people in my network that I've come across who've told me that they home educate their children. I've had a few students, because um, obviously I've, I teach university now, I've had a few students who come who tell me that throughout their kind of education career, they've been homeschooled at points, although it's been very rare um that students have said that to me but the the closest that this has kind of come to me in my life um I mean I'm not even going to count the pandemic I don't think that really counted as
0: as any kind of home education
1: yeah but me and my children yeah it was it was was more more like playing on some very popular um online games and hoping (laughs) that that was doing the job but um interestingly my my oldest child my son started secondary in September and So my children are all, are all going through the very traditional system, but my, my son met a new friend at his secondary school who had come from home education from oh, primary straight yeah. into secondary, like mainstream secondary. And that was really interesting. And they got on really well. Uh, my son and his friend, they had a few sleepovers, everything really, really good. And then, um, the friend announced a couple of weeks ago that actually they're returning to be home educated yeah. and actually leaving the system and so that I guess they'd only been there a term and I said to my son like you know how do you feel about it and he said oh my friend just said it, if they feel it's the right choice for them it's not about the friends it's just about yeah. that it's, the education system is working for them and and I guess the good thing is knowing that these young people are so well connected through social media and things these days like, I know that my son will stay in touch with his friend but yeah. I was also surprised like wow that was quick like his friend told him one day like oh I've decided I'm going to start being educated at home again and that was it and they didn't come back and I was like oh it's so right. it seems <laughs> it sim- that simple. Simpler. <laughs> <laughs> it is that
2: simple and do you know what it's uh, for lots of people that I speak to it's normally the other way around is that they're, they've they've attended in primary school and then they don't for secondary school. Um, I hear a lot less stories of people homemade through primary and then choosing to go into the secondary school system. Um, But I do often hear people kind of doing this trial and error type thing where they'll go in and say, actually, because you find with a lot of parents as well, that if their young person has expressed a want to try school, if they've been home educated, but they've maybe seen um, friends that they've made go into school and they've got an interest and they say, oh, actually, I want to try it. I want to see if I like it. Um, and parents generally if if they're choosing to home ed, it's 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 generally because they want to follow the young person's lead in education. So if that person says to them, I want to try school, um, some parents will then send their child to school to try it and a lot of the time I hear stories of that child then going, actually this isn't this isn't what I want. Um, you know, it can be too overwhelming, um, especially mm-hmm. if they're used to a particular way of learning. And the school system is very different. So th- that does happen quite often, um, I hear in, in people's experiences that I talk to.
1: Amazing. So I guess it sounds, you know, like most people are, are having it led by the world. So that, that sounds really good. So maybe can you tell us a bit more then what, what this really means to have yeah. this elective home education?
2: Yeah, so elective home education, it is a legal choice for parents and carers and basically what it means is that the parent or carer um, has chosen to take full responsibility of educating their child. Now, this means that the child will no longer attend a mainstream school setting, but will instead remain at home and be educated under the full responsibility of the parent or legal guardian. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean that it will be the parent or guardian doing the educating themselves, although sometimes it is. Um, sometimes the parents will choose to outsource that education to things like online schools, tutors, uh, home educating groups, things like that. So they become more of a facilitator in the learning rather than the actual educator. Um, But as I said, some parents do uh, take on the educating role and we use resources, textbooks, uh, curriculum specifications and everyday life experiences to teach. Um, I will quickly say just to make a point that I'm speaking about the UK. Um, Everything I say today will be in terms of uh, relation of the UK and the UK laws because home education does differ from country to country. Yeah, and whilst it's legal and valid right in the UK, other countries that's not always the case. Um, So I will say to anyone listening and interested in home educating their child, um, look at the law specific to your country that you're in. Um, And if you're in England on the government website, you will find a document called elective home education guidance for parents and that's got loads of information on there. Um, about things like your right to home educate, what the expectations are by law, the responsibilities of the local authority and things like that. Oh,
1: um, that's so helpful, thank yeah, you. Yeah,
2: it's a really good document. There's lots of documents on there, but that one is, is really easy to read. It's really concise and it's got kind of key information. Um, but the thing to remember and to know is that legally, as a parent, under Section 7 of the Education Act 1966, you are required to provide an efficient full-time education which is suitable for the age, ability and aptitude of a child, and as well accommodating any um, special educational needs that they have. Um, but there, there is a lot of kind of ambiguity around, you know, what is an efficient education, what is a full time education, what is a suitable education? There's no, yep. clear, there's no clear guidance on this, um, but by law, that's what you have to follow in order to um, home educate your child.
1: Wow, that's so interesting. Thank you. So, so I guess then if, if a parent or carer decides to, to follow home education, do they have to tell like their local authority that they're home educating or, or like, is someone allowed to come into your house to see what you're doing? Like, is there a <laughs>
2: <laughs> there, There is an Ofsted for higher education, you do have the local authority. Um, if you're in England or Wales, you don't have to tell the local authority that you're going to home educate your child. Um, your school will notify them when you deregister, it's their responsibility, um, okay. you just deregister from the school and then it's the school's responsibility to tell the local authority. If your child has never been to school, i.e. they're coming up to compulsory school age and you're choosing to home educate from the start, there's currently no legal requirement for the parents to then inform the local authority, you can just choose to not register your child for a school place. mainstream schools yeah it's an opt-in service
1: so if you don't opt in to mainstream school you are home educating that's so crazy i never saw it as an opt-in thing i would have guessed i guess i'd have seen it as an opt out yeah so (laughs) you flipped my mindset already lucy But i think
2: that's the key and that's why i'm so passionate about sharing information about home ed because it's not known about enough and parents have got this amazing right that they don't even know about. And you know, you get a letter when your child reaches compulsory school age, you get that letter to say, you know, it's time to register your child for school, you are opting into this, this service, this this thing for mm-hmm. your child, if you, you don't have to do it. Um, but if you, if you don't choose to register for a place for your child's school, you may flag up on their, on the local authority system as being a child missing in education. So they may still contact you to see whether they feel like the child is receiving an adequate education um, and that it's been provided, but you don't have to actively approach them and say, I'm not registering my child for school. I'm going to home educate. It, you don't have oh, to. Do that. interesting.
1: Wow, thank yeah. you. Well, that's already the first, well, not the first thing I've learned. You've told me so many things, but <laughs> that, that's really interesting. Yeah, I never saw mainstream school as, as being opt-in. So I guess my next question I wanted to ask then, if, if you do decide to home educate, do you have to like replicate school or do you have to have teaching experience or do you have to have a degree to teach them? Because I know that obviously to be a teacher in schools, you have to have qualifications. So how, how does that work? What kind of experience would you need to have?
2: You absolutely do not have to be a teacher or have a degree or anything like that when you choose to home educate. Um, When you choose to take full responsibility for your child's education, this is giving you complete control over how they receive that education. It's one of the beautiful things about it. You can tailor everything to the needs um, and abilities of your child. Parents aren't required to replicate the school educational delivery, Um, you don't have to replicate school hours, you don't have to do exam times, you don't have to follow a timetable, you don't even have to follow a set curriculum, this is all down to the parents to decide what is best for their child or children and what they need to do. Um, You don't have to follow the national curriculum or whatever the curriculum is in your country, Um, your child doesn't have to take SATs, they don't have to take end of year exams, they don't have to take GCSEs if they or you don't want to that it's completely flexible. The approach that you choose to take with your child is up to you. So as long as you can demonstrate that you are providing um, this full and efficient education for them, then you are doing exactly what you're being asked to do. In terms of educational approaches and philosophies, parents might decide to go down the route of something like unschooling, they may choose to have a semi structured approach to learning, or they may even feel like that the national curriculum actually it does work for them, but they just want to deliver okay. themselves at home. You know, there's no, there's no right or wrong
1: way to educate your child. Oh, okay, unless... so it's like there's different pathways then yeah. within homeschooling. Interesting.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. So you choose the best way that's for you. So you just want to deliver it in the right way that's best for them as an individual. And I will say sometimes this may take a bit of playing around with different Different approaches to find what does work for you and for them like mm-hmm. in my own experience with my daughter she was deregistered from mainstream school when she was 14 so she was in year nine so we did all of primary school she went she went to preschool she went through all of primary school and we went through years seven eight and nine uh, in secondary okay. school. so she did a lot of mainstream school and we deregistered in year nine for various reasons and we home educated for 18 months full time and this was a mix of tutoring for the subjects that i felt that i couldn't adequately support her in like maths <laughs> and uh, oh, oh wow
1: so you like you hired um a tutor that would come yeah. to your house or they were online or what was it like online for you? because it was in the
2: pandemic and after the pandemic so this was all online um which worked for my daughter she liked working in that way um mm-hmm. so we d- i did that for for um uh, a couple of her her um subjects that i didn't feel comfortable and kind of maths i just can't get my head around my head.
1: yeah I, I don't blame you i totally understand it.
2: So, uh, yeah so doing that using resources online um because she is she's doing her gcses this year so because of that we were looking at exam specification because i knew and she knew that she wanted to take gcse so we had to follow some kind of uh, structure but doing it full-time at home with the two of us um it just didn't work for us long-term. My daughter expressed the desire to learn alongside peers as well, but we okay. knew that the schooling system didn't work for her either. So our in-between was trying this 14-16 to 16 provision at college. Now, this is where your young person can attend a mainstream college for their academic subjects, and it's part-time. So the college receives funding for 15 hours a week per person, um, per young person, to, to enable them to access the teaching. So. For us now, she attends that provision for her five GCSEs that she's taking this year. And the rest of the time, she learns life and key employability skills at home with me. So I take care of all of the stuff that's going to help her in life going forward. And the academic side of things that she needs because of the career that she wants to go into, she wants to be a paramedic. So the route... Oh, wow, fantastic. Yeah, but it means that she does have to take the GCSEs because she then needs to go into college and then she needs to go um, potentially onto university or um, looking at actually a apprenticeship in the ambulance service because I think that will fit her better but we've kind of juggled things about and we tried full-time home ed it didn't work so then we tried this part-time provision and then Mm -hmm. part-time home ed and this works for us so it's just the wonderful thing about home education is that you can constantly reflect on your learner and you can adapt as they adapt so what works one year may need tweaking for the following year and because Mm -hmm. you home educate you can do that you can adapt you can reflect and you can change any aspect of any
1: learning at any time to suit your child's needs um that's fantastic so so it's like a totally personalized curriculum every day (laughs)
2: exactly which can be your one learner yeah it can be exhausting as as a parent to have to do that but when you start seeing the results in in your child it's amazing Um, and I will just quickly say um, about qualifications as well and and teaching your child and as I said you don't need those Um, but if there are certain subjects that your child wants to learn and you don't feel you have adequate knowledge to support, you can outsource to a tutor or online school, like like I said, maths with me. Yeah, I, I
1: hadn't even yeah. thought of that. So yeah, so you're not actually on your own. You can no, still know. Use...
2: No. And that's really nice to get the support from people who are subject specific as well. But do you know what's even better than outsourcing to that? Is learning alongside your child. The best thing you can do is show your child that actually nobody knows everything. Even us mm. adults, we don't know everything. We're all constantly learning. And that question that you've asked me, or that subject that you want to know more about, I don't actually know about it
1: myself, so let's learn it together. I love that. That's a really good role model, like a real life lifelong learner. That's fantastic.
2: You're actually teaching your child how to find out information, how to plan a topic, how to research, how to find reputable and trustworthy sources. How do you analyze information and synthesize it all together? These are skills that will really benefit them going on into life for lots of different situations. So if you Mm -hmm. can learn alongside them, I Personally think that's the best way to tackle anything because they then become more relaxed and and you know a lot of home educators they won't say that they're teachers they won't say that they're educators they'll say they're facilitators of learning because they're helping their child find ways of learning
1: wow that's interesting i love that facilitators yeah that's definitely a word we started using in in our traditional system so i, I like that and um I guess, I guess my my question is there then your, you mentioned that your daughter said she wanted to learn alongside peers I think the main the main thing that has made me never even consider home education for my children although I love all the the nice things you're mentioning there is the socialization because I guess I would worry if my child you know obviously I've got other children in the family but the chance them to be with other people their same age or I guess a lot of people i think must worry about how their child will socialize if if they're not at school like have you seen that being an issue like is there a big home ed community or
2: this is one of the main and biggest questions asked around home education <laughs> is around socialization people are genuinely very concerned that their child socialization socialization will be affected especially if their child's an only child um now While socialisation concerns are very valid, I do want to reassure that this is a very personalised thing and it will depend on the circumstance of each family. Um, A lot Mm -hmm. of people who already home educate will respond to this by explaining all the ways in the way in which actually their child socialises better now that they are out of school. You know, think of all the clubs, they go to, the groups that the child can now attend both during school time and outside. Um, Meeting friends with their with their children is also another way to socialize naturally when out shopping at the park chances for socialization with other people occur all the time. But not just thinking of it from an activity perspective, when we look at socialization that happens in school controversially it could be suggested that this socialization is less natural and more forced so. You know, okay that's interesting yeah I mean just thinking like in what other situation in life are you told that you have to socialize with people only of the same age band as you you know in a class of 30 the children are socializing with all children all of the same age and also yeah. there's potentially less opportunity in this environment to choose to socialize with people that have the same interests as you whereas if you attend gymnastics or scouts or a photography course you're socializing with others who have that same interest as you and they may be older they may be younger they may be from a diverse range of backgrounds and experiences and you might not get that in a typical year four class of 30 students. So you could argue um, also what about playtime and lunchtime? The children in school can all mix and mingle and meet other children there and yes while this does happen for some from experiences that I've heard from teachers in schools children do usually stay in the same or similar class bubbles of friendships that they used to so it doesn't necessarily have that mix as well. So it, it does need to be something that you kind of, you do need to be a bit more critical about it, thinking mm-hmm. on, on both sides of things. You know, what does school offer? Is that better? What can home offer? Is that better, you know? And I do remember a quote from a teacher that I heard talking about this, who said that some people say that home educated children um, that they know are all socially awkward. And her response as a teacher was that she actually knew a lot of children attending mainstream school who also found social situations challenging and as a result were not confident yeah so actually rather than stereotyping home education as being social um socially awkward children it's better mm-hmm. to kind of acknowledge that there are a range of young people generally in life that find social situations hard and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a result of being home educated and you know it it socialization is what you make of it um so if you can get your child out and about doing things like clubs and groups, even things like something quite controversial as like online video games. I know there's a lot of discussion around online video games, how much of a benefit are they to children's learning and that. But that social environment and, and the skills that you learn, you know, as long as you're making it paramount that it's safe what they're doing, so things even children that are not comfortable going out and socializing, but feel more comfortable doing it in an online way, you know, the world is changing and we need to adapt and there are other ways to socialize aside from putting 30 children in the classroom and, and saying that that's the only way.
1: My Definitely. And, and I, I totally agree with you're saying, because I guess that's what I've seen at university level. When I've gone from teaching in the classroom in the primary school, where everyone's the same age at university, what makes our most interesting conversations are where we've got people, of all different ages, bringing all different experiences and backgrounds. So actually, I totally hear what you're saying, that maybe that's more natural. If you meet at the park or meet at a, a, you know, a parkour route or whatever, you're actually meeting people with a shared interest rather than just the same age. who happen to be born in the same time period as you. So yeah. that, that's a really, yeah. really thoughtful point. So yeah, th- I guess thanks for breaking that stereotype and, and that's true, I think because home education in my opinion is something you know that it seems quite rare it's not something i've come across a lot and probably because i have been a a teacher in mainstream schools so you know that's that's what i'm dealing with so i think it's that's why it's so valuable to hear you talk about actually there shouldn't be a a stigma around it it's just a different choice it's a it's a, a legal choice that a parent or carer can make so what there should be no stigma right
2: no, exactly. And that's the thing. Like I say, there's less inf- information out there or readily available or just kind of it's it's not as in, in the eye line to everybody as mainstream school. So people aren't aware that actually, whilst it's kind of presented to everybody as being the other form of education, you know, mainstream is the default and everything else is other. It shouldn't be no. like that. And it isn't like that. It is a completely legal and valid choice of the parents on how they educate and it shouldn't be seen as this kind of backdoor other way of doing it or you know hippie way of doing it and all of these kind of derogatory terminology that is used a lot around for people that choose to home educate Um, Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of that is just down to lack of information or lack of correct information um out there available and that's what i'm saying about the importance of there being research-backed information out there to help inform the policy um the policy yes. changes that need to happen because you know whilst it is so so important to listen to people's experiences and to listen to people's opinions on it and that is very important very valid um to to feed into it to change policy to create legislation to make big changes to enable support to be available for this this group of people there has to be research behind it so we need to have more and more time money effort Um, you know, attention put into research in this field and, and to grow it so that it
1: becomes, you know, well within its own right. Definitely, definitely. Oh my goodness, so many good points. I feel like on that note, before I crack into my next questions, because I want to ask you some stuff maybe around special educational needs, and maybe just drill down a bit more on those kind of benefits and and negatives of of home ed. We're going to take a break. So Lucy, this has been the most amazing first half of the show. Uh, We're going to go and enjoy our two minute tech and our, our news and advert. So don't go away. And we'll be back in about six and a half minutes.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
3: At the National Higher Education Conference, Unison Assistant General Secretary John Richards opened proceedings with a damning critique of the government's approach towards university education, according to Unison's own website. Mr Richards focused on out-of-touch ministers who failed to understand the current funding crisis and pointed out that the funding models across the UK seem to be broken. He cited the issue of limited government funding as causing a de facto cap on student numbers and accused the government of trashing the UK's reputation for higher education in Europe, leading to big drops in the numbers of overseas students a story covered by Teachers Talk Radio News last week. Mr Richards went on to assert that those in government do not understand the cost of living crisis because they've never had to face it. Strike action by those working in the HE sector has been part of a wave of action taken by unions across a range of public sectors in recent weeks. The last week saw the release of details of government plans to revamp children's social care in England. BBC News reported on the plan for more early support for families and the extra two hundred million pounds funding for the next two years. Last year, a review warned that tens of thousands more children could end up in care without additional funding and reform. The plan has faced criticism that many of the changes are being rolled out as localised pilots rather than a national programme. The government plans to put families at the heart of the reform and intends to provide better support for all vulnerable children in order to reduce the need for crisis intervention. There will be pilots in 12 local authorities which will deliver more early support for families struggling with addiction, domestic abuse and poor mental health. There will also be more family type placement for children in care with relatives, friends or foster families. Other changes include plans to recruit more foster carers, a simpler process and more support for relatives or friends who take on children, a rise in the Leaving Care Allowance and support for councils to recruit and retain more social workers. Economic, Constitutional and Social Policy Forum, Politea, has published an article focusing on its views of the proposed changes to the school's history curriculum. The publication, History, Whose History? The Battle for the School Curriculum, features three historians' views on the proposals. The Government's plan for reform came in response to recommendations from the Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities. The plan for a new model history curriculum for pupils to see themselves as integral parts of what makes up the UK today was proposed. The essays included in the publication, focusing on the responses of a variety of academics, who all appear to conclude that there is no need for the proposed changes because diversity is already built in the current programme. Further details of the publication and forum for debate can be found on the Politya website. Finally, a school principal in a rural part of Northern Ireland has expressed concerns over safety after it emerged that recruitment of lollipop men and women is being frozen. It comes as part of a drive to save money. The current power-sharing deadlock in Stormont meant no budget could be agreed and significant cuts needed to be made. The principal of a rural primary school, Donna Winters, told the BBC that until recently there had been consistent crossing patrol staff that have been vital in making sure pupils can cross roads safely, but that they have not had staff since December. The school has had to resort to employing a patrol staff member directly and, when they are absent, teaching and support staff have to fill in. Ms Winters went on to point out that safety was not an area where cuts should be made. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox.
0: This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
4: Hello, it's Safer Internet Week, with the official day being on the 7th of February. This year, the UK Safer Internet Centre focuses on Want to Talk About It, making space for conversation online. They've got loads of educational resources on the website saferinternet.org.uk, banded into 3 to 7, 7 to 11, 11 to 14, and 14 to 18 years of age. They're even translated into Welsh and have adapted resources for SEND and ALD. So... They have pretty much covered all bases. You need to take a look. But why do we need to get our young people talking about this? Well, let me try and give you an idea in one breath. (gasps) With an estimated 5.16 billion people using the internet at 64.4% of the world's population, it's estimated that around 500,000 predators pose a threat to young people daily, with the main target being 12 to 15 year old children. With a quick search of statistics from the internet, I found supposedly one in 25 children will be manipulated in some way this year, and 80% of predatory behaviour will be through social media. This couple with only 15% of parents actually knowing what their children are doing online makes this an issue which definitely needs to be talked about with our young people. <sighs> to get some perspective on this, every 60 seconds, TikTok users watch over 167 million videos. Data never sleeps. We need to know how to stay safe because the sheer volume of data means it cannot effectively be policed. Please send your thoughts amongst the 575,000 other posts every 60 seconds on Twitter at TT Radio Official.
0: I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
1: So welcome back to the Friday morning break with me Dr Poppy Gibson and today we are talking about home education Um, and we have got our guest Lucy Wheeler joining us to talk about why parents and carers might make that legal decision to home educate their child and what are some of those negatives, those positives around choosing to home educate. Um, Interestingly, before the break, uh, Lucy was talking about the fact that you actually don't need any teaching experience and also the fact that you can hire tutors to help you as well. So welcome back, Lucy. Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you. Welcome back. Uh, Sorry, just tech, tech gremlins, my end, but welcome back to the second half of our show. Um, And I'm really excited uh, that we've still got some more time left because I have a few more questions to ask you if that's okay. No problem. Um, So. I know that you, you kind of mentioned about you found most people kind of go to one type of school and then leave. Um, how difficult is it if your child is already in a school to go about removing them to home educate? How might someone do that if, if they wanted to make that decision?
2: it's really it's not difficult at all um it is a really straightforward process mostly and um, there are a few caveats on that but again i can only talk about the uk here as well so if anywhere in the uk anywhere outside the uk sorry then please check the requirements of your country but in the uk if you're in england and wales you can simply send a letter of deregistration to your school there are lots of templates online for these um, and places like uh, education otherwise which is a registered charity to support um, other types of education, they've got some good templates that you can use as well. And they offer a membership to, to, to join so you can get some support in that as well. Um, but the letter will simply state that you are removing your child from the school role and choosing to home educate them. Once this letter has been sent in, you are free to home educate your child. It is as simple as that. You don't have to get a response from them. The letter you sending in is enough for you to start to begin your home ed journey. Um, I'd recommend keeping a log of what you send just as proof. And some people do hand over mm-hmm. the letter just to make sure. But an emailed letter is sufficient. I emailed my letter in. I did get a response from the school. Um, a lot of the time, the schools will come back at you and try to ask you to attend a meeting to discuss your decision, see what they can do to change your mind and support the young person to stay at the school with them. If you want to do that, you absolutely can. But you are under no obligation to. You don't have to have the meeting. Um, you sending in the letter and saying that you want to deregister is enough it's then the school's responsibility as i said before to notify the local authority of this and then usually the local authority will reach out to you over the coming months and make some sort of contact i say usually because they don't always um, Mm -hmm. but sometimes they do it is worth noting that scotland is slightly different if you're in scotland you do have to ask currently permission to remove your child from school from the local authority. And this is also the case for the whole of the UK. If your child attends a special needs school, you can't simply remove your child from these settings. Um, you have to gain permission as you, you have to prove and discuss how you're going to support them and their special educational needs um, going forward. But England and Wales, mainstream school, in
1: the letter, all done. Interesting, so, so then you're saying, some people you know depending on the needs of their child might decide to home educate what what does it look like in england like can you home educate your child if they have special educational needs and how would you do that because i guess in if children are in school with um you know identified SEND, they might have extra support or differentiated planning so i guess does, does that make it more difficult to home educate i think if you look at it from a different
2: perspective actually home educating a child that has the additional needs is actually could be seen as being better because you are giving that personalized education based on their needs, their abilities, um, and their interests. So you could argue it from the other perspective that they would get more support and they become less invisible in the system because they are getting exactly the education that they need, um, as stated if they've got, for example, an EHCP. EHCP. So um, you can uh, home educate your child if they have special needs. the only thing to know is that, like I said, if they're in a SEND provision, you will have to get permission before they can be deregistered, because there is a duty placed on that provision to provide specific SEND support for your child. So if this is being taken taken away, you need to be able to demonstrate that you, you are still able to provide this for them. Um, okay. But if your child is in a mainstream school um, and they have an EHCP there, you can just follow the usual route of deregistration by informing the head teacher and removing them. You don't need permission from the local authority okay. for this. It's only if they're in a special educational needs setting, a specific uh, special school. Um, mm-hmm. But looking looking at them when they're at home and learning, there are there's so much support out there Um, and and there are lots of groups out there specifically for home educators who are home educating children with additional needs and i think this comes back to when we talk about kind of the reasons why people home educate and things like that there are a huge number of people that choose to home educate specifically for that reason they don't feel that the school is adequately able to provide the send needs that their child needs so they choose to home educate. So because of that, there is a very large portion of the home educating community that have children with special educational needs. So and so, so,
1: so you mentioned these groups, Lucy, that, you know, parents and carers could join. So they've got this home ed community. Where where would they find these groups? Like, What, what would they kind of look like? I
2: mean, I would recommend going onto Facebook, Facebook is is very highly populated with lots and lots of home educating groups and communities. And they there are lots of them that are specific to areas as well. So if you type in home education groups, you'll come up with lots and lots of lists. And you can specify it down to a particular area, for example, home educating groups in Essex, and it will bring up lots in there or or even closer, you know, Chelmsford, and, and, and you can find people that are really local to you. And then on these groups, it there are their own mini communities so you engage in conversations Mm -hmm. and people will tell you about
1: different groups that are available in your area that you can attend um, wow so so I mean are there that many people home educating do we do we have an idea of numbers like home educators versus mainstream schooling like but I mean for you to even say like each city is going to have its own home ed community like I didn't realize there'd be so many people home educating
2: they are everywhere (laughs) Wow <laughs> lots of us around. Um I can't give you numbers because of the reasoning behind that is because it you don't have to register. To, to home educate you don't have to tell the local authority or anything like that, that you home educate so there are no <laughs> firm statistics there are statistics out there based on people that have registered um and, and things like that but they're not i i wouldn't say they're very accurate because you don't have to you know people that never send their children to school and then home educate from the start you know you won't necessarily know about those particular children um which is you know which causes a lot of problems. On the flip side of things, a lot of people worry about safeguarding and keeping these children safe that are kind of off the radar. Again, mm-hmm. that's a whole other discussion for another time. But it there are so many people choosing to home educate. And, you know, there has been a, a bit of a peak since the pandemic because people were able to home educate or homeschool, sorry, through the pandemic and, and kind of try before you buy. Um, and <laughs> Yeah, and exactly what I did. We we did it through the pandemic, and I was like, oh, my goodness, my child is thriving. Like, why haven't I done this? That's sooner? amazing. So
1: yes, I mean, I mean, Lucy, I love that it worked out for you. I I tried before I bought, and I definitely did not want to buy <laughs> that product. And we de- we definitely <laughs> returned to school in in yeah. case of my children, but. I hear a Can lot just, of <laughs> that as well. Yeah, um, I imagine it depends very much on the child and, and the parent or carer. But another question that's just occurred to me, if it's okay to ask. So you said of, you know, if your child has um a special educational need or disability, actually being able to provide that daily personalized education could be could be so empowering, you know. And also I know a lot of friends with um children with particular diagnoses, part of part of the difficulty is even getting them out of the house in the morning. So I suppose you've not got those issues but how how would children and you mentioned there are some people home educate right from the start. they never even go to any school. How would your child get um assessed or diagnosed? like do you think those children that have never been in the school system where you know a teacher might flag a child for assessment or or something do you do you think maybe those diagnoses go unspotted if you home educate?
2: I would say not necessarily because school isn't the only route of diagnosis for these things um so you can. So for, for, for our own personal um, story, we went through or we're currently going through um, the ADHD system of assessment, and that wasn't done through school that was done through our GP. So there are other routes to, to go into the assessment or diagnosis assessment um, system. Mm -hmm. not necessarily and because we home educate you know we got all the typical things of being sent this is the questionnaire that you have to send to your school for Mm -hmm. us to get information back from your school and I was like well we home educate so we don't have access to that so the alternative is um, a friend or a family member can fill in that questionnaire and send it in so there, there are other ways and routes to go down to get a diagnosis if that's what you want for your particular child so I wouldn't worry too much of missing out on that particular element of it if you feel that your child may need to go down the diagnosis or assessment route at some point. you know it doesn't have to be done through through school.
1: okay, brilliant that's that, that's good to know. I hadn't thought of that actually. and I suppose in a way, the fact you're spending so much time with your your child, you know without them going to school for for six hours a day or whatever, may, maybe it's more likely you might spot some of those behaviors or symptoms that might need to be assessed though. So, Okay, that's a, that's a really thoughtful point.
2: Thank you. And I, think, I think as well, thinking about um, any kind of uh, SEND needs at home, like something as simple as, you know, if your child struggles with sleep at night time and then you're getting them up first thing in the morning and then putting them in for six and a half hours at school when they're absolutely shattered because they were so, you know, wired through the night that they couldn't shut off or they were having, you know, had a meltdown in the middle of the night and, and couldn't get back to sleep. You're then sending a very dysregulated um, child into a very stressful social situation whereas you know if you're homeschooling let them have a lay-in let them catch up with their sleep and start school at midday it doesn't matter they're still yeah, you're doing it to the optimum of their of their needs
1: so and you've got that flexibility then to to set your timetable that's fantastic uh, right lucy i've got three questions left okay, we've got about sure. 10 minutes to go <laughs> i'll try to be concerned <laughs> No, it's great. I'm, I'm loving how much I'm learning today. It's so enlightening. So um I've kind of got two two more things I want to ask you about home education, which is our theme on the show today, and then and then just one fun one at the end. And I you can probably guess what it's going to be about. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> for, those, for those people um, listening who aren't sure, you're you're in for a treat. Lucy and I have something else in common apart from <laughs> loving education being passionate educators. So um so the the next question i want to ask because i guess the one benefit of mainstream school for many people including me um is the fact that it's free and i think having free education is is so incredible here in the uk and knowing that we can send our child to be educated for free i guess my question is how much does it cost to home educate your child and and does it cost a lot and if it does can you get help with those costs I, i don't really know kind of what that looks like
2: yeah um, unfortunately this isn't going to be kind of a a conversion question for a lot of people because it it does cost um, and there is very little in terms of help that you can get Um, it does vary from person to person but you do need to consider costs for things like resources days out textbooks tutors you know exams stationery. And of course you can spend as much or as little as you want. There are lots and lots of free resources out there. So many free resources out there for home educators and you don't have Mm -hmm. to use tutors or online learning, but these are things to consider cost-wise when you're (laughs) the options. Um, And home educators also get discounts at some educational places when visiting just like a school group would so there's that to bear in mind as well, you just kind of have to look for it and sometimes you have to ask for it it's not a given as a home educator so you do have to be a bit bold in in kind of asking for things but there are lots of free educational trips that you can do you know museums Mm -hmm. libraries, free events stuff like that be a bit savvy with it if you want to and need to save money. Um, You will, however, if you choose to do something like GCSEs, you do have to pay the exam costs um, and any kind of um, accessibility needs that you that you need to have and things like textbooks if you're using them because if you're taking exams, you will need to follow some sort of curriculum in order to pass the exam. Um, And another thing to consider cost wise is how many children you have. Remember, if you've got more than one, these costs will increase because it will be for each child as well. I do hear lots of stories of families that do it on a low budget, so it is possible. Um, but in terms of financial support, there isn't really any that I'm aware of. The um, okay. parent, you know, you've chosen to remove your child from the mainstream education system. So you have agreed to take full responsibility for them and their education. And this does mean financially too. I do know, I have heard that some local authorities can offer a little bit of financial support, but I'm not quite sure of the eligibility of this. And, you know, as a female woman, You've taken the responsibility on yourself so any cost that occurred, you unfortunately do have to fund yourself
1: okay thanks lucy no that that's good to know so 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 maybe one of the disadvantages then <laughs> yeah. um so that kind of brings me on to my penultimate question then it just to summarize and you, you've told us so much on the show today about why people might choose to home educate. Could you maybe summarise, what, what do you think then are those top advantages and maybe though those negatives that we have to acknowledge if we wanna go into this with our eyes open?
2: Yeah, I'll start with the negatives, because it's always good to end on a positive.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I like it. I like your style, and, Lucy. But also,
2: it's important to acknowledge that there are potential kind of cons, negatives, because I'm not here to say home education is the best thing. Don't go to school, do home education. School works for some children, and I'm very much an advocate for every child learning in the best way. So I'm not saying that home ed is the only way to go. Um, so it's important for me to acknowledge that there are some things that you would need to consider that could be seen as a slightly negative. And um, we've already spoken about the cost implications you are fully responsible for all of the costs involved um, and if your child's taking gcses this can go into thousands um so just be aware of that good idea to plan ahead a lot of uh, home educators quick tip is that they will start their gcses early and children will spread them out over kind of three or four years so you've got children taking gcses at like 13 14 15 16 like that um, Time, it can be time consuming depending on how you wish to deliver education, if you want something that's more of a structured route, even things such as printing off worksheets if you want to do that, sourcing things to do, writing things up, planning it, it all takes up time, so if you're working alongside trying to do it or you're a single parent where this all falls onto you, it could be seen as a bit of a negative. Um, Again, as we mentioned earlier, socialisation, this could be seen as a negative thing, especially if your young person struggles in this way, so bear that in mind. And a big thing actually that comes from talking to a lot of people is disapproval from friends and family this is a big one that i hear a lot about people who decide to home educate who don't have the support of their friends and family members they can find it really really challenging um we don't have time to go into depth with this today but this is very real for a lot of families and it does impact on a big scale so it's not to say that you can't do it if you don't have the support of your friends and families but it's worth considering what you feel this this would impact on your experience um the benefits um it is very personalized uh, way of giving education to a young person it's based on their needs their interests their abilities they're getting that one-to-one learning experience and they are also able to work at their own pace which is key um being able to tailor your child's education to the career route they're taking which is a big benefit for myself and, and my daughter she wants to be a paramedic mm-hmm. so everything that she learns is giving her the skills um that she needs for the job that she so desperately wants to go it's into right Um, Giving the opportunity to the young person who feels anxious, unsafe or overwhelmed in school, the chance to learn in a safe, comfortable and familiar environment. And just the flexibility, of teaching what you want, teaching what your child's interested and passionate about and planning to your own schedule based on your own individual family needs. I think that that's just ultimate.
1: Wow amazing that you somehow managed to summarize it in a nutshell that's fantastic really and <laughs> that that was really good it shows how well you know your um subject so thanks for kind of pointing out those things that people who are considering home education really need to be aware of and I think yeah. that's key what you're saying about a network because I think you know that the old saying like it takes a village to raise a child and yeah. And, yeah. and I suppose when you haven't got the school at being part of your village, um, then it's even more important, perhaps that if you don't have friends and family support, that you're finding that support through, yeah. like you say, the home education, wider community and, Absolutely. and you know, maybe making new friends as well, I guess, because yeah. you're going to find people with, with the same interests, the same kind of, you know, ethos about education yeah. as you. So yeah. potential for, say, for new but... networks.
2: Yes yeah, sorry I was just going to say the home community is, is incredibly supportive as well and really welcoming so it, it's it's a great one to be part of if you want to
1: That's lovely thanks Lucy um so wow I feel like I feel like I've learned so much you you've kind of home educated me you've studio educated <laughs> me in the radio studio this morning Lucy so I thought um after all that talking about all that hard work you've been doing as a home educator maybe we could end talking then what do you do outside of that? I guess it must be even more important to find some downtime because your home yeah, is, is being yeah. the school. Um, obviously, you're doing things outside the home as well. But how, how do you relax? And I have a feeling we might have a furry friend we need to mention as well. <laughs> Although I don't know that my furry friend is any
2: le- any less stressful, because my my furry <laughs> friend is is a little reactive furry friend, so she takes lots of training from me as well. So Ta- tell us all about her. What's her name and, and her tell name, us about her? Her name's Skylar. She's a she's a German Shepherd cross with a Belgian Malinois, um, and she's just turned two, so she's very much a handful. She is the most loving, loyal, wonderful dog in the world, but she is incredibly reactive, and we're having to do lots and lots of work on on kind of how how we live with this reactivity um she she came from not very good breeders um so didn't have the best start in life so it's a little bit of a rescue and i've spent you know the last two years trying to reassure her that life is okay <laughs> she doesn't have to be scared and worried of everyone and everything um but because of that she's become incredibly protective of me she imprinted on me quite early so um she she loves me so so much she doesn't like anyone else coming near me <laughs>
1: Oh, so, yeah, she, she's, she's your own she, personal guardian, Lucy. She is, and
2: she's the most. When she trusts someone, she's the most loving, loyal, amazing dog ever. Um, it's just working on how to get her to trust that when I say it's okay, it's okay, and she can relax and stand down from her guard, which she doesn't regularly do. But I think that's the Malinois in her. She is constantly on guard and and protecting her family. But yeah, to to have downtime, we quite often do lots and lots of walking out and about, and you know, if I'm not. If I'm not focusing on how um, education works for children, I'm educating myself on how to work with um, training reactive dogs. And I I want to do my um, behaviourist certificate as well so that I can help other people. Because I think when I first got Skylar, it was such a, a lonely thing to go through because she was so reactive. I was really stuck with where I could go, who I could see, what I could do. And um, it became really, really lonely. And I didn't really know who to reach out to. So um, I want to kind of train up in canine behaviorism so that I can support other people that have dogs like that on a more kind of mental health and emotional level owner basis to say actually I know it's really lonely but you can get through it
1: (laughs) oh so it seems like you are a born educator Lucy whether it's (laughs) your own daughter other people's children or your dog and other dog owners that's amazing so I don't like
2: my brain to rest really if I'm not doing one thing I'll switch and do something else
1: (laughs) that's amazing I think um learning is so empowering and actually don't feel bad that you that learning is your downtime like (laughs) i I totally get it too and i feel like we'll have to arrange a a doggy date with your um belgian mal and and german shepherd cross with my german shepherd maybe when we're feeling very brave and uh (laughs) when we have caffeine we will have to attempt that because i think that will be fun but um i just want to thank you so much for coming on teachers talk radio this morning it's been amazing to have something really different today because often we're talking about mainstream education or you know the typical classroom and it's really interesting to think that isn't the only classroom you know you can have a home classroom classroom. (laughs) the the world is your classroom if you're a home (laughs) educator so yeah thank you so much and the last thing just to say Lucy before you go um if anyone does have any questions about home education or about anything we've talked about today are you happy to maybe tell us where they can find you or contact you if that's okay Absolutely. Yeah.
2: I mean, I'm on I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram. Um, so you can always send me a message on there. What I'll do is in the chat, I'll put my handles on there in the chat so that you can follow it on there. Um, but I'm always around on social media. So if anyone wants to ping me over a message, then I will be
1: available. Wonderful. And I have to say also, thanks. I love all the videos of Skylar on Instagram as well. <laughs> so anyone who's not following Lucy, jump onto Insta. Um, and if Oh yeah, sorry, I have, Lucy. I have
2: two. I have two Instagrams because I realised that not everybody wants to see my dog all the time. So I've got a dog one, which follows her kind of behaviour journey, and then I've got my uh, home educating um, research one as well. So I'll pop them both down if anyone wants to join the dog one
1: either. <laughs> Thank you. That, definitely the dog one, but both. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lucy. And like I say, hopefully when you are Dr Wheeler, we will have you back on the show in the future and <laughs> and see what you found. Awesome. Thank you so much for having
2: me. It's been great to about
1: this this morning Thanks Lucy and enjoy the weekend And
2: you Take care
1: Thank you Take
0: care Bye Bye You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio